Good evening, everybody. Evening. Where am I? It's still afternoon, at least on the live. Who knows where it'll be or when it'll be on the replay, because that is always an option is hashtag replay. Let's get this mic situated a little bit. Um, I'm Scott Stevens here on another episode of Another Perspective, where we kind of take a look at uh, things from a different point of view, or at least you know, a, a hopefully a broader perspective than maybe one that has been previously presented to you or or displayed. And uh, kind of this day, I want to talk about accountability. Let's kind of evolve this from where we have been the last couple of weeks, uh, which was desire and liberty and, and, and patriotism and nationalism. All of those things eventually will have some kind of root, some kind of base, and some results in accountability as we are keenly aware of cause and effect. And so let's just kind of spin that up and get going on this. So we'll call it the many types of accountability. And ultimately, I believe and maybe save this for the end, but that is the reason for life. It is the reason for experience. It is the reason why we are probably here is so we can become accountable for our actions and for everything that we believe ourselves to be. So we'll just kind of Think about that. Accountability means to be held responsible to a higher authority for one's actions. I don't think anybody can disagree with that. That's pretty basic. It's uh, accountability. We've got accountants to deal with accountability when it comes to money. We've got bosses to deal with accountability in, in work job relationships. So this theme, this process is, is well known and we all live inside of it. Heck, heck we have parents and they did or did not keep us accountable for, for being good kids as we grew up. All right, let's come over here to comments. Yes, Robin, good afternoon. And Karen, good to see you over there. Let's see where we go today. All right, so this accountability at its very basic, at its root level, is simply cause and effect. We choose a cause, we make a decision, we evaluate the risks, the benefits, and so forth, and then put it into motion. That motion then brings an effect back to us or upon others. And that is where our discernment begins to come into play, is the back and forth between that cause and effect. So there are things that we are accountable for, our thoughts, our feelings, and eventually our actions. And if you kind of think about this, you might get a feeling that it's true, but then does it determine our actions? So our thoughts come from where? They come from, you know, our mental capacity and our feelings are from, well, that feeling part of us and then actions, of course, are, are certainly back down here, you know, out of the physical realm. So we are ultimately accountable for, for our thoughts, feelings, and actions. I'm going to rewind a little bit. I was probably early teens and in church. And I remember one of the, the speakers that Saturday or that Sunday afternoon talking about that, yeah, we're held accountable for, for even our thoughts. And I recoiled at the concept. I truly did. I didn't believe it was that, that let's just say we should have free reign within our thoughts, that we, there would be no accountability within our thoughts. And so I, that was something that struck me, that struck a chord inside of me, that even as a young teenager, that we were accountable for our thoughts. And I did not accept that. I thought, well, how can I, you know, how, how can I make a decision about what to do if I don't first think about it and then go through that process of discerning whether it should be something I, I follow through on or not? 
And so it took me a little while to come to terms with that. All right. So I can't always control my thoughts, but I can choose how I respond to them. And that throws another layer on to accountability. So we're always thinking this brain never stops. As Vicky was talking about earlier today, happiness, where is happiness? And we can choose to choose and bring in happy thoughts to our process and to our beingness. But are we able to control them and stay there? Or somebody throws a jab at you, whether it's on social media or in passing at a grocery store on the highway, something happens and we instantly create a thought. It comes into our mind. It's a reaction rather than uh, an action, a first cause. It's a reaction. But that is truly where that accountability begins to show up is in our response. So accountability has two fields of action. First, is that of recognition, and then that of action. And these are our layers that we're always living and and having our beingness within, in these two fields of actions. First, recognizing that we have a situation ahead of us. How do we respond? How do we react? Where, what tools do I have at my disposable, disposal are I, or am I going to use in this encounter? And then once you've made that assessment, that of action. So the ladder of accountability, we could either make things happen or nothing changes. And there's kind of like this line with four experiences below it, where we wait and hope that the experience goes away. I don't have to encounter this. We make excuses for not acting. We blame others for the actions that we have already committed and denial or unaware. I, I judge, I don't recall. I plead the fifth. You know, this, and we see that in our news. We see that in the public sphere all the time. We blame others or project upon others those things that we are guilty of. And then denial is simply, no, I don't, I have no recall. I have no recall or unaware versus acknowledging it, owning it, creating a solution for what happened and then making it happen. And where does truth reside on this ladder? Well, it's obviously going to be up here because what's going to set you free? Blaming, denying, making excuses, hoping or owning it and realizing that there's a reason why that experience was brought to you and then things can happen. And the reason why that incident, that experience happened is made clear because then there's spiritual growth that has happened with it. So the whole world is familiar with the dictates of accountability, yet it's found to be belabored with the effects of non-accountability. And non-accountability, at least how I look at the world, guys, is, is that's all that's there is non-accountability. We're kind of back to this. We're blaming, denial, we're unaware. We pass a law and then think this, this, and this is going to happen. When it doesn't happen, we may make excuses or we say, well, we'll just wait and hope that the the effect, the law that we put into, into motion will eventually bring the desired uh, results rather than acknowledging maybe that didn't work. Okay, let's take responsibility for it. Now that we've accepted that it didn't bring the desired results, then we can create a new solution and then make it happen. All right, so, but let's just throw a go. Let's go back a little bit. But in this Congress, accountability is just a catchphrase, usually directed elsewhere because we don't want to take personal responsibility for our actions. 
So it is usually directed elsewhere. Demands to personal responsibility or even corporate responsibility abound, but rarely is congressional accountability or even physical responsibility on the table. It just doesn't happen. So then that also brings up another aspect to this. It is not only what we do, but what we don't do for which we are accountable. So not doing something, let's just say it's an incident on the street where someone needs help, whether it is as benign as grandma crossing the street and she could use an arm and it's a slick, snowy day, or someone in in a dire, in, in, in risk or at risk for physical harm. Do we choose to or choose not to assist in that situation? Or you're a whistleblower. You see something going on out there that is obviously bad. It is illegal or is questionably legal and is causing harm to not just one, but to a great many people. So what we do and what we don't do both are or require accountability. So then this comes to the point, who has the power to judge accountability and why should anything or anyone or any power exist to inhibit the attainment of one's desires? Well, who said desires are supposed to be attained? But this becomes a very slippery slope to run on down. You're free to choose, but you're free but you are not free from the consequences of your choice. And I think we began to establish that earlier on with cause and effect um, that, you know, we can choose and we can also not to choose. Yeah. That is a, an amazing ladder of, of accountability, Robin, and, and to see it laid out in four steps down, four steps up. And it's interesting that almost every situation, every step in, in some life or our lives, or even congressional corporate group and family, all those experiences reside somewhere on that, uh, on that, uh, on that ladder of accountability. All right. Uh, and then once more, yes, but we can follow the lead of our so-called leaders if they blame others for everything, but then how can we expect the rest of the masses to take accountability? And the answer, at least in my eyes is that you cannot, you cannot, all you can then do at that stage of the game is then blame or shift the responsibilities for your actions upon another. And then what gets accomplished? Where do, we, where do we get moved? Where do we move forward? Or how do we move forward? So you are free to choose once again, but you are not free from the consequences of your choice. So the principle of, of accountability is always an operation and ignorance is no excuse. It makes sense. And as you're a child or me in church being taught, told, shared that your thoughts are also yours. You have to own those because where did they come from? And that potentially the more evolved we get, that there are other realms above physical where thought is the primary course of action, that thought is the substance of that existence. Physical is physical. Energy is emotional. Thought is there, is up in that realm. And so, of course, we're going to be accountable for that aspect of ourselves. So men are not punished for the thin, their sins by them. And and there was one saying that uh, I'd come across a while back, and, and it was essentially that karma is not meant to be uh, retribution, but to be remedial. This was the purpose why accountability, why cause and effect were put into place, is to teach us lessons that only we 
can do these things to ourselves. We give that permission to no one else or nowhere else does that reside except for within ourselves. So it is us that we eventually become responsible to is ourselves. So let's break this down a little bit further. There's a higher accountability and a lower accountability. What would be the differentiating factor between the two? If we kind of think about that, then that would be a higher accountability as thoughts. And then a lower accountability would be something as simple as this. When you've got a government, believe it or not, corruption happens, deception happens, theft happens. All of these things are there. So we needed to establish an entire agency called the Government Accountability Office Building. And obviously, we know that this is not the only one or the only one of the plans, but then that is simply to bring a bit of oversight to this conglomerate entity that, that we call government. So the GAO, as it is commonly known, the U.S. Government Accountability Office is an independent, nonpartisan, thank you, agency that works for Congress, often called the Congressional Watchdog. The GAO investigates how the federal government spends taxpayer dollars. It advises Congress and the heads of executive agencies about ways to make government more efficient, effective, ethical, equitable, and responsive. Our work leads to laws and acts that improve government operations while saving the government and taxpayer billions of dollars. That's fine and wonderful, but they can really only work afterwards, after laws are in place and after they have had time to work, to be implemented, to create a track record upon which the GAO can then come in and investigate. So then if they decide or discover malfeasance or fraud, what powers would they then have? And the answer is none. They can just point out. So then that ends up coming to the people. That accountability then leaves the government and has to come to some outside agency, some authority by which the government was granted license or permission to govern. So then this is kind of one little thing is the Freedom of Information Act that gives us a little bit of clarity about what may be happening or is happening inside that government so that we, the people, can bring a modicum of transparency to that. The other part of it would be the press, you would expect to be able to bring some accountability to what is going on inside the government. But the press has been hamstrung. They've got problems, problems that probably didn't exist in quite the extent that they did 15, maybe not 15, but maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago. There's always this dude, the rich dude with the money around the mouth, holding it back, conf you know, confounding one's or the press's ability to go at a story, to come to a conclusion, to expose what happens in government. So where I kind of wanted to hit this, and there are two aspects to this, is the Telecommunications Act of 1996. And in my lifetime, in the time that I had been in media, this was probably the biggest inhibitor of the freedom of the press, of the press's ability to bring government to accountability was what the Telecommunications Act of 1996 did was allow telephone companies to offer TV services. Great, sounds fine. But what it did do was erased limits on TV and radio, radio station ownership. 
It allowed TV stations to then own the distribution, which was then separated into cable systems. There was a time when I began my television career in the 80s where an owner could own what was called 6, 6, and 6. Six TV stations, six AM stations, and six FM stations. That was raised gently to 12, 12, and 12. And eventually this act erased those limits. And now we are left eventual corporate owners of nearly 90 plus percent of all media outlets in this country. So that's become a problem. All right. And within this Telecommunications Act, it is stated no state or local government or instrumentality thereof may regulate the placement, construction and modification of personal wireless services or wireless service facilities on the basis of the environmental effects of radio frequency emissions to the extent that such facilities comply with the commission's regulation concerning such emissions. This was buried into that, that act. So not only maybe you can see where I'm going this. Not only did it allow for a collection of very few entities to own all of the media outlets, but then also where these wireless services would be installed. And that begins to play into the 5G aspect where we have no say in this. So Vladimir Lenin, Lenin nearly a century ago, said all over the world, wherever there are capitalists, freedom of the press means freedom to buy up newspapers, to buy writers, to bribe, to buy and fake public opinion for the benefit of the bourgeois. Hmm. So we have allowed or has been allowed through Congress, the capitalists, the big money, these guys right here to then use access to very cheap money printed by the Fed to borrow and then buy and collect and set up all of these agencies and letting this prophecy or just statement of truth to become true. Because through the 1880s, there was no, no mistaking that journalism had already been corrupted by the owners of the papers. Radio came along, television came along, but radio first and foremost, because it was the cheapest to deploy to set up an antenna, a broadcaster transmitter, and reach millions of people very, very quickly. And then the Great Depression happened, much like what we are seeing now. We're seeing a depression. And every time when we have a contraction of the economy, the government collects more power. They did it with the FCC to rein in free radio stations, allowing freedom of expression, freedom of, of thought being able to be communicated out to the people. And we saw it with the Telecommunications Act. We also saw it with the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, also in the period of the 1930s to control the airspace. That was our previous freedom of movement. That was now or did require a license, and that is in, in place today. All right, accountability breeds responsibility. Stephen R. Covey, that only makes sense. Does it not? Three words, accountability breeds responsibility. Not that it's not my fault. And why is it your fault? Because we're eventually pointing the story at others. And is this not where DC is right now? Boom. Yes, Kurt, you're right. Podcasting is the blogging, is the grill of journalism. And present day, because it is monetized differently, boy, 
just do not get deplatformed. There are things that we still shall not speak of that can take you off these platforms super fast. And as crazy it is, as it is, that other part of the Telecommunications Act I talked about a moment ago, that installation of these antenna, that is one of those places, places one of those subjects, depending on how it is approached, that can very, very quickly get you demonetized and, and censored out. So what are we doing here? There may be one, there may be two, there may be all four of these guilty parties, but they're projecting psychological projection and notice the news, watch the news with this in front of you. And with this awareness, the devil is the accuser. Psychological projection, also known as blame shifting, is a theory of psychology in which humans defend themselves against their own unpleasant impulses by denying their existence while attributing them to other. For example, a person who is rude may constantly accuse other people of being rude. Ask yourself, what is it someone is accusing others of, especially if the accusation is random and then has no apparent backing? That is usually what a person is guilty of themselves. They are literally telling you what they are guilty of through reverse psychology. That old saying, I think thou dost protest too much. The people who accuse us of being frauds are the frauds. The people who accuse us of being a scam are the scam. Are the liars. And that's how it goes. Accountability is the reason for the experiences that we are given in life. Great responsibilities are given. Then we are held accountable to a higher power for how we respond to those given tasks. Think about those who are wealthy. I mean, confoundingly wealthy. Then imagine the responsibility that that kind of money leaves with one. So that soul, that person with all of that money has a great responsibility that has been given them, a, a responsibility to do good, to assist other human beings, to affect change on the planet, which would then be <clears throat> smiled upon when that person passes away. So don't ever point at others and think of inequality because those gifts that we have been given bear a responsibility, whether we acknowledge it or not, that responsibility still resides inside of those gifts that are given with us. Because there is a, a great, great reason that they have landed on your shoulders. And then you're, you have to, you have to bear them. Even chance meetings are the result of karma. Things in life are fated by our previous lives, that even in the smallest events, there is no such thing as a coincidence. And this is, was like me in church with the realization or simply being told that thoughts are accountable. So when you look at the smallest things that happen in your life, that encounter on the beach, that meeting in a grocery store, if you look and understand and realize that there is that greater higher power directing it all, then you have to look at these smallest events as no coincidence. And if you've been given that great responsibility of resources, of being able to speak, of being able to impact others' lives, then those smallest of events are given to you to assist them along their way.
Yeah, thankfully, right, Robin? All right, men are not punished for the sins, but by them. I think we had that already. All right, I want to throw this up there just, just for kicks and giggles. I don't really know what you thought. I saw this the other day and, and posted it on Facebook, and this kind of is the ultimate gift. When the cat realizes, when you realize that there is enough to share, then greed can be let go of. Then those that would have previously been a meal, you can bring to the table and share the bounties of your life with. And that is a very, very different way of, of looking at life to know that there is ultimately enough. All right, realize that none are foolish and none are wise. See only the operation of his divine will everywhere. And when we do that, we're capable of seeing where everybody is in their lessons of accountability, whether they're shirking those responsibilities that you can't clearly see, or they're embracing the opportunities that have been given them. And just know that we are all individually somewhere on that ladder back to action and back to truth. Yeah, that's a great video, isn't it, Karen, uh, on Facebook? It's just... You know, somebody else said, yeah, I think he's just uh, prepping him so he can eat him. That may be so, but ultimately, you know, it's it's all about sharing. It's all about, you know, sharing in this bounty that we all have and can participate in as uh, as we move and work through our day-to-day -day lives. All right, everybody, let's look at a little bit of a look at accountability. I'm probably going to play with this a little bit more on Wednesday on, on another perspective because there's some kind of some big things happening in the world of finance out in the world. And that is a, a huge area of fascination for me to see where accountability has been abdicated by the printing press of money, how we can make very, very poor decisions. And yet there's always somebody Always somebody with a bigger paycheck, or not even with a paycheck, but with a checkbook that doesn't have a, a limited balance in there that can get you out of situations that probably, that certainly you and I wouldn't be bailed out of. So there are a lot of things happening in that financial world that probably begin to apply this story, this lesson of accountability uh, to those things that are happening in the financial world as we speak. All right, everybody, uh, have a great afternoon and a great evening. If you catch this on replay, that hashtag replay, and uh, let me know your thoughts. All right, thanks for stopping in there, everybody. Karen, Robin, Vic, and the gang. We'll see you later tonight on a, on a peek at some weather around the planet. Take care.